Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence. Welcome. Welcome. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. Welcome, welcome, welcome this on this Friday, May 26th. So glad to be here. Grateful for you all joining me this morning. And we have wonderful food Pillars, seven pillars of sovereignty. You're going to find out why you need to change the way you shop, where you shop, and what you eat. Some serious developments coming along our way in our world that we need to be aware of. So we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and voice your comments or listen and join the collective unity. We're promoting unity. So we are global transformers. We're going to say greetings to our global family now. One human to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zrastuitsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, hola. ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, ahwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. A beautiful, cloudy day in Florida. So I am woo, thankful for the cooler morning. We are having summer-like weather in Florida for sure. So I'm just grateful to be here. And I have something so special to share with you uh, that happened to me today. But I want to get right into joint rolling because I didn't do my joint rolling. I didn't do stretching this morning. I jumped out of bed and just started working on uh, this show today because there's so much to cover on seven pillars of food sovereignty. So if you are here this morning, I know that you're ready to move your body, move your body, because the blood circulation improves and is better when you move your body. It's like a river in there. If the, if the body's not moving, the river's not flowing. So that's why I really encourage you every day to move more, eat less. We don't need as much food as we think. But we're going to talk a little bit about emotions because yesterday 
Dr. Debbie Green and our executive producer, Naima Latif, had a beautiful, deep discussion about how emotions can affect the body. And I have a little bit of conclusion. I want to conclude that discussion sort of by talking about emotional intelligence. Just review what um, Dr. Debbie and Naima spoke about. If you missed it, you can go back into the archives and listen because it was a lot covered. And then on health and well-being, I want to just bring you up to speed on the solution um, for emotional effects on your body, how they affect your body. And the solution is emotional intelligence. So how do we do that? We're going to review that a little bit this morning so you can, um, you know, put a period on yesterday's show and work, work, work to balance those emotions, keeping emotional intelligence in the forefront of your brain because that's what helps you uh, enjoy well-being. And I'm going to share with you something amazing that happened to me yesterday that just lifted my emotions to joy and and um, and, and actually motivation. Motivation. Uh, I have a solution for homelessness and immigrants, migrants in, in the big cities. I have quite a solution based on what happened to me yesterday in my neighborhood. I'm going to bring a solution to all the cities for homelessness that they haven't thought about maybe and um, and migrant overload, okay? But let's just start out this morning breathing. I think that's the key, the very key to man. One first key to managing our emotions is learning how to breathe deeply, and we breathe from our belly, from our navel, breathing in through the nose, opening up the belly, opening up the um, the uh, lower abdomen, and exhaling, and and we uh, contract the belly. Inhaling, inhaling through the nose, hold it, hold it, hold it, and exhale. Not from here. This should hardly be moving, but your lower belly should be going in and out as you're, move, as you're breathing. Deep breathing, inhaling, 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 and exhaling through the mouth or the nose, whatever feels comfortable. It always depends on what your intention is, whether you want to exhale through the mouth, or the nose. And for natural, uh, deep breathing, best in my opinion to go nose in, inhaling in, and exhaling out the nose. But try it through your mouth, see what works better. You don't want to dry out your mouth by continually exhaling. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in through the nose, and exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the nose, Inhale, inhale, and exhale through the nose. It brings a calming to your body, mind, and spirit. So let's just take our do some neck rolling before we start the music. Let's bring our chin, our chin to our chest and roll that neck around, loosening up not just the neck muscles but the shoulder muscles and even the upper back muscles. Breathing in, breathing in, and exhaling as we go. Inspire, that's the inhaling, inspire. Be inspired as you take in oxygen. And expire, 
Exhale all the toxins. Exhale the negative emotions. Exhale the negative feelings. Exhale any negative thoughts. Inhale. And let's reverse that neck roll and go the other direction. Stretching. Take your time. Take your time. Go slowly, slowly, slowly. Stretching, stretching all those muscles after a long a sleep, good sleep. It's always good to wake up, sit up after you do your joint, you're rolling, and just stretch the muscles in the neck area. One last roll, inhale, 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 and exhale. All right, let us get busy uh, with some music, um, Time for Healing. This is my favorite intro music healing because the words are just so relevant. And it, I've been playing this for a couple of years now, and the words are still relevant. We haven't really shifted a lot from the words, time for healing, and the energy of the music. So we're going to roll. Just let's roll our shoulders back before we get on our back. Roll the shoulders back. Roll the shoulders back. Woo, that feels so good. My back is is happy, happy, happy. Roll the shoulders back and then forward. Roll the shoulders forward. Breathing in, breathing in and out. Roll those shoulders forward. And let's just go swimming in the sea of energy as if you're in the water. This is uh, water in the air. We have water in the air. And then backstroke. Backstroke, 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 backstroke. All right, let's get on our backs now. Kick those legs and arms up. We're going to roll our wrists and ankles first, then our knees and elbows, and then we'll roll over on our side and take that leg all the way around to get those hips lubricated and move the blood around. Here we go.
to get that blood flowing from all the way from the, the back of the brain, the vagus nerve stimulates the movement of energy, all of that. You should feel that all the way to your toes. Squeeze and release. Squeeze and release. But massage, give that neck area a little massage. Go down to the shoulder, back area. If you love on yourself, we are flying this morning. First, love yourself. Fly, fly, fly. Every morning, fly. First, love yourself. Joint rolling, tapping on the arms and the the uh, rest of the body, tap down those arms, especially under the arm where your lymphatic point is is important to be uh, a pit, not a puff. So massage under the arms and get all that lymphatic flow going. Tap on your the middle of your chest. Breathe in and out to help that movement. Breathe in your breath. Your breath work helps move things in your body. Move the tension out. Breathing in and out around the breath. Tap around the breath. Grab the breath and you say, yes, I love you. I love you. Yes, that's very helpful to uh, unclog the milk ducts or any area in the breath around, under the breast, massage under the breast, and then go down to the navel, around the navel, tap around the navel where your microbiome community lives. And love, 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 stimulating the flow of energy throughout that colon. You want that colon to be energized, move all that crap out. And then don't forget the back area, your kidneys, Back here, you want to make sure you love on the kidneys and adrenal glands. Right here, your kidneys and adrenal glands need attention daily because they work hard to manage stress in your life. Woohoo! Love, love, love those kidneys. Thank you, kidneys. Thank your kidneys and your adrenal glands and your liver and gallbladder. We give thanks, we give thanks today for a human vessel, a biological computer, the best biological computer in the world, the only biological computer in the world that helps us to be in health and well-being. So congratulations, welcome, welcome to this uh, episode (laughs) of Health and Well-Being with Theata. So I'm going to... um, transfer to my studio, give you a view of my feeling, my feeling, my plants are just growing everywhere. I'm so excited. I've got plants on the ceiling now, and they have just taken off. So I'm happy. I realize my plants, I think my plants are very healthy because I play music all the time. And plants, I don't have a lot of direct sun in my place. I do have light from small windows. But I believe the direct sun is what is giving, the indirect sun is what's giving my plants the light they need and the music. And I keep my windows open. They get fresh air all the time. So I'm happy. My plants are happy. So welcome, everybody, to Health and Well-Being with Beata. And yesterday, I have to share 
my uh, beautiful story yesterday. I was uh, walking through the neighborhood doing what I always do uh, on a weekly basis, pick up trash. So I carry my grocery plastic bags with me, and I pick up trash. And I've been doing this for eh, two years, almost two years, over a year now, over a year. I've been living here over a year. And I even go out to the main street because there's always trash. Somebody's throwing trash in the main street. And yesterday I had a blessing from a neighbor. A neighbor drove up in his truck and said, I have something for you. Roll down his window. I have something for you. And I said, I walked over to the truck. He said, this is a gift card. He said, I really appreciate what you're doing, picking up the trash in the neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. I said, what's your name? His name was Bob. That's an interesting name. And I said, oh, wow. I thought in my in my mind I finally got paid. Because there was times when you're going through the neighborhood picking up trash, you're thinking, I should be paid for this job that I'm doing. So the spirit told me in that moment when I thought I should be paid, the spirit said, you will be paid. And so I believe I've been paid with so many blessings in my life that have brought me peace and health. And then this event yesterday showed me even monetary gain. Uh, rewards would happen. So this is the first time a neighbor, I've had neighbors thank me, wave at me and say, I appreciate what you're doing. But this is the first time someone actually handed me a gift card from a store. So as I was walking back home, I thought, wow, that was such a beautiful uh, surprise. And I thought, what if the homeless in every community and the migrants, let's say the migrants and the homeless were given the job of picking up trash in the city? How about that? Now, they might think, well, well, you might, you have to pay me. But how about if the cities where these homeless and migrants, namely um, sanctuary cities, maybe the city needs to pay them a small amount and then have a scale of payment as they do more and more things in the city to keep the city clean and trash-free. Now, my hometown of Chicago and even Orlando, I go to the park in Orlando, and I, I told the administrator in the building, I said, there's too much trash out here. And she said, well, we have somebody who does that. I said, well, they're not doing enough. So here's my suggestion to all of you in big cities or small cities. If you're walking around and you see trash that you don't want to pick up, I suggest you go to a city council meeting and suggest they use the homeless and migrants in your area to clean up the city. Now, that doesn't require any great skill. So that's why, well, that's why um, this to me seems like a, a workable plan is that the city uh, contacts homeless people, migrants, and says, listen, the city needs some help. We're going to bus you or, or give you a, a local assignment and say, this is too much trash in this area. Your job is to pick up the trash, give them some gloves and bags, and then either pay them uh, pay them, or reward them somehow for do, bringing in bags of trash. It's definitely needed on Chicago South Side. The last time I was there, I was just sad that Marquette Park, a place where I went to and spent time doing yoga in the park, there was just so much trash. Now, this is horrible. This is a beautiful park, but look at this trash. 
So um, Zelda, our um, Monday morning mindfulness host, says that homeless in China are paid for picking up the trash. Who thought? I thought it was Japan, Zelda. So thank you for that note. It might be Japan as well because I watched a video one time people of people in that country picking up aluminum cans and bottles and getting paid for that. So I would say, yeah, let's get the homeless communities all over the United States picking up trash. Give them a job. And here's the other thing. There is something healing about picking up trash. And there's something healing about people seeing no trash in the area. I um, I remember um, when this person told me um, that they appreciated me picking up the trash, I thought, well, why would anybody appreciate that in the neighborhood, seeing trash removed? Well, duh, it makes sense that the eyes visually are looking at something that seems out of balance. And what do people want to see or need to see? They want to see grass. They want to see flowers. They want to see um, plants. This is what brings joy to a person, is seeing with their eyes beauty in nature, flowers, trees, grass. But if trash is there, it interferes with the emotions of joy and happiness and satisfaction and, and um, gratitude even. You're walking around the whole city and there's nothing but trying. Ah, ah, ah. But if you walk around the whole city and there are flowers and beauty everywhere, grass and green, then it's going to change the emotions of the community. And I would bet even crime statistics might be changed. I'm just throwing that out there. It might even affect the crime uh, rate in a city. So that's my morning uh, um, testimony that I was so blessed to receive a gift after picking up trash, while picking up trash from in the neighborhood from a, a neighbor. And I think everyone should think about going to city council meetings and giving that as a suggestion to the problems of old migrant immigrants and, and overpopulation and crime and uh, homelessness. Homelessness. Give, they need a job. Homeless people need a job. They need to feel worthy, valued, and I believe if they get a job picking up trash, they're going to get not only get some exercise, uh, because that's what I told uh, my neighbor when he handed me this card. I said, oh, I enjoy this. It's good exercise. And he smiled and said, yeah, I thank you. Good exercise, pick it, bending over, trash in the bag, or even if you don't want to bend over, stick on the ground, pick up the just exercise, fresh air, sunshine. This is my advice to all my global family. Get out there and uh, get to the city council meeting, whatever you can do, inspire people to clean up the city, clean up the city. So thank you for being here. We have a lot to cover this morning. In fact, um, we're talking about the future of food this morning. And um, I want to, again, put a, a period on the discussion yesterday about um, how issues of the heart, how emotions damage the body. So I had found a little clip about emotions that I want to play, and then we're going to bring it to a close with emotional intelligence because the 
um, Dr. Debbie Green's show, Soulful Solutions, was great information. And it always seems like they could go another hour on that show. Uh, so I'm here to carry through or move or follow through on what I heard her say a lot about how issues of the heart, emotions damage the body, but emotions heal the body as well. So here's a little information about, um, let me see, where is it? About how the how the brain works. How does the brain work, and and why emotions, paying attention to emotions, are so important. And this comes down to emotional intelligence. So, what is emotional intelligence? That's the question I want to bring up more than anything. What is emotional intelligence? The solution to the knowledge you may have you received yesterday about how emotions can damage the body. So what do you want to do about it? You want to have emotional intelligence. So I'm going to play a, a quick uh, 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 audio about, or actually a video about emotional intel. What is emotional intelligence? That's what I want to share. I'm going to make a bold statement and say that doing a TEDx talk is going to be the most. Uh, so I'm going to put this on my stream yard. I don't think I have audio. I'm going to just play this for you so that we can have a quick summary of the solution from yesterday's show about how emotions can damage the body. So the solution in my mind is, Understanding emotional intelligence. Uh, so we're going to put that up on my stream, on my video here. Share the screen with you and play that for our audience. And let me just get this going here. All right, here we go. If you're an aspiring leader or manager, there's an important element you need to consider when evaluating your knowledge and skills. Emotional intelligence. Also known as emotional quotient or EQ, emotional intelligence is the ability to understand and manage your emotions and those of the people around you. Emotional intelligence is typically divided into four competencies. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Self-awareness is at emotional intelligence's core. It's your ability to not only understand your strengths and weaknesses, but recognize your emotions and how they affect you and your team. Self-management is your capacity to manage your emotions, particularly in stressful situations, and maintain a positive outlook despite setbacks. Social awareness is your aptitude for recognizing others' emotions and organizational dynamics. Those who excel in social awareness practice empathy. They strive to understand colleagues' feelings and perspectives so they can be better communicators and collaborators. Relationship management is your capability to resolve conflict and influence, coach, and mentor others. It requires both self and social awareness and channeling them into interactions. Building your emotional intelligence helps you grow as a leader and motivate and coach colleagues more effectively. In turn, you can advance your career and organization. Do you want to improve your emotional intelligence? 
Explore our online course, Leadership Principles, and discover how you can create high-performing teams by unleashing the potential in your So that was just a brief introduction to emotional intelligence, which is, to me, the solution uh, from yesterday's show uh, that they covered extensively and how emotions affect the body. And so I might be mentioning that a little. I'm not going to dwell on that too much today because we've got to talk about food sovereignty um, that I became aware of this past week. And so much is happening in our country, in the world, even about food, around food, that it's time for us to look at food differently, where we get it, how we produce it, and so on. Because I'm going to share with you a very important audio uh, from a brother by the name of Ron Yates, who really gets down to what's happening in our world. And and an experience that I even had at a a store called Sprouts that I would just like think, it made me think twice about where I I need to be shopping and, and where I don't need to be shopping. I'm growing food now these days in my own yard. So we've got to take a break. And when we come back, We're going to talk about um, 99% of people have no idea that this is happening in all 50 states, and it affects your food. So we need to know uh, what is happening in the states that is going to affect your food. So we'll be right back after these messages. Are you constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams. CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, hosts John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul. 
whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit zeldaspeaks.com. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. We were talking a little bit about uh, Dr. Debbie Green's show yesterday with uh, executive producer Naima Latif. They were talking about uh, issues of the heart, emotions that damage the body. Well, we want to encourage you to develop emotional intelligence. And as I played the audio before the commercial, um, emotional intelligence is about self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. One of the most important areas to help you develop emotional intelligence, managing your emotions so they stay positive, and in what I call the blue zone. Here's a a chart that you may be able to see. The blue zone, the blue zone for the map of consciousness is about enlightened peace, joy, love, understanding, serenity, forgiveness. Forgiveness is so key. Many people who have cancer are unable, have been unable to forgive the past, the people in the past. So as you develop emotional intelligence so that your emotions don't harm your body, uh, pay attention or be conscious of how you respond or react. other people's behavior. That's right. Relationship management is key. If you have someone in your life who's always triggering you, that's actually a blessing in disguise. Because if you're always being triggered by what someone else does or even what our society does, sign that you need to work on your response to these circumstances and people in your life. I am so blessed right now to have a partner, a client who has prostate cancer. Blessing galore. I went. I had a two-hour lunch with this person, and we went over what I thought was going to be ten traumas 
of his childhood that turned into 10 plus eight more traumas in his adult life. And as he went over, as he, as he mentioned or talked about these traumas, we began to laugh because I pointed out to him, you know, you're actually writing a movie. You're creating a movie of your life. And now that you can see how the movie progressed from childhood and all your emotions involved, and why you have prostate cancer right now, because you haven't been processing those emotions, we can laugh at this. And we did. We laughed. The rest of the hour of the lunch was mostly about laughing about all the the circumstances in this person's life that basically created a swollen prostate. I, I learned recently that T.D. Jakes, who's a very popular um, pastor in Texas, I believe, has prostate or has been battling prostate cancer. T.D., call me. Let me talk to T.D. Jakes about his prostate cancer. And I just wonder if he's dealing with his past traumas, emotions, stresses, being a secular evangelist, um, super mega church star. You can imagine all the conflicts he's had been in and all the uh, traumas he's had in his life that he hasn't dealt with. So I'm glad he's at least sharing with the world that he's dealing with this, and we hope he overcomes, and I learn a lot. And so one last thing about emotions and, and, and that your body, the, I re- highly recommend this book, Your Body Speaks Your Mind by Deb Shapiro. If you want to get more into how to manage your emotions and what your body is saying about your mind and your thoughts, Your Body Speaks Your Mind by Deb Shapiro. I've been using this book for years to help my clients overcome their negative emotions and their stresses. And then uh, another book I use, Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. Even the title gives you a clue about what the basic, the content of this book by Carol, K-A-R-O-L Truman. Highly recommend if you're one who likes to read and grow in knowledge and wisdom, these books are full of wisdom and, in my mind, truth about how your body responds to your emotions, your thoughts, and all that. So today we want to talk about uh, the pillars of food sovereignty. I think it was Kwame who texted me something on Sunday during my Sunday show. Kwame Sunhor is one of our listeners and partners on The Female Solution about food sovereignty. And I thought it was so interesting. All week I was looking at YouTubes and studying and and reading uh, what he sent me. And then I came across a brother by the name of Ron Yates on YouTube. Oh, my goodness. I had to subscribe to his channel because he's putting out some real jewels. So I'm going to share with you uh, a recent video that he put out about how 99% of the people in the United States have no idea that this is happening in all 50 states. And it has to do actually with um, and something that happened to me last week. I uh, went to a grocery store called Sprouts. Sprouts is supposed to be like another an alternative to Whole Foods. It's a big store, huge store, with some really um, great choices 
uh, for food. And I bought some man man manjellos, the tiny oranges. So my grandson loves to eat the small oranges and so he can peel them. He loves to peel them. He doesn't want any seeds in them. And I'm trying to tell him you need seeds in your food, honey. So I bought those for him. They're organic now, organic. And uh, he, I peeled them for He peeled them one morning. He said, these don't taste good. And I tasted it, and he was right. Tasted like nothing. These are organic oranges, little manillo, man, mangellos or whatever they call them. Tasted like nothing. So I took them back to uh, Sprouts and got a different brand of, I didn't get organic because I thought, okay, many times I buy organic, the taste is not what I think it should be. So uh, I just end up buying the regular conventional, making sure it's not GMO. So that's kind of my choice. But this information uh, that I'm going to share with you now is why I think we need to look at alternative sources for our food, whether growing it or farmer's markets. I'm big on farmer's markets, going places where you know what they're doing, how they're making it, and so forth. In fact, Every Friday after my show, I go to a local farmer's market to check out what the locals are doing. Um, so I want to share this with from Ron Yates, Y-A-T-E-S, some very important information about what is happening to our food these days. So let me start the audio for you, and we'll take notes if you need to because this is a very important Have you guys seen this in Walmart? Now, read it with me, guys. It says here, consuming this product can expose you to chemicals including acrylamide, which are known to cause cancer and birth defects or other reproductive harm. And that's not even the scary part. Now, for me, the real kicker is the top part that says, quote, distributed by Walmart, meaning this is in every single Walmart that's here in the United States and possibly even around the world. Just yesterday, my wife bought a blueberry pie from Sprouts. Basically, it's a store equivalent to Whole Foods. You guys know what I'm talking about. Now, before I cut into it, I read the label and it read, ingredients made from bioengineered ingredients. Hmm. So yeah, I threw that right out there and then, and this is supposed to be a health food store? Yeah, I, I'm not buying that. What about you guys? Have you guys seen any kind of questionable food items in your grocery store lately? Are you guys reading labels? Drop me a quick comment down below. So yeah, today, if you're not paying attention, you might be circling your drain faster than you think. Trust me, guys, the rabbit hole keeps getting deeper and deeper, and it's a lot deeper than you might think. Now, have you heard about what they're doing to our beloved chips? That's right, guys, they're not just a harmless snack anymore. They're putting more than just tasty flavors in front of our faces, and it's up to you to notice the alarming truth. Now, unless you're content with sticking your head in the sand, pretending that nothing's going on, well, then of course this channel is for you. We're all about caring for our health and staying informed about the world around us. And most importantly, upping everybody's financial game to speed up our journey to reach financial freedom together. I mean, a healthy body may very well be one of the soundest financial investments that anybody could possibly make. So yeah, the importance of paying attention has never ever been more crucial. The more research I uncover, the more insane it gets. Just the other day, I went to Walmart and heard them announce on the PA to prep 72 hours worth of food. Sounded like something from a dystopian movie. Here, check this out.
So even Walmart's telling people to prep before stuff hits the fan. But I would be careful what I buy there if I were you. I mean, we're living in a time where a bag of chips could potentially cause birth defects or even cancer. Can you believe that? But that's not all. These snacks often contain bioengineered ingredients. And here's a real kicker. The vast majority of consumer goods are owned by the upper umbrella of corporations like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. Now, it looks like these corporations and billionaires own pretty much everything now. The Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos of the world. Now, the scary part is these companies are getting sued left and right, yet people continue to buy their products blindly. Now, unless you're conducting extensive research, your family might be unknowingly in harm's way. So buckle up, guys, because this channel is all about equipping you with the right knowledge and financial education to expose the truth for everyone. And remember, guys, knowledge is power, and together we can make a huge difference. Also, by the way, for the best way to invest in gold or silver, check out the links in the description down below this video. Now, before we start, a warning for everybody. A lot of people have been reaching out to me to say that their notification bell got turned off or they were mysteriously unsubscribed for the channel. <laughs> it got me thinking, man, like, seriously, like, who would do that? right? So just go ahead and make sure you still got your notification bell turned on and also make sure that you're still subscribed because there's some weird stuff going on. That's all I'm going to say. Now, speaking of sneaky moves, have you guys ever noticed how many kids are out there that are munching on mountains of chips? I mean, just take a trip to Walmart and grab yourself a bag of those great value chips. Now, I'm not sure if that's your favorite brand or not, but boom, right in your face, right on the back of the bag. And trust me, it gets worse. Now, I got a bunch more stuff to tell you guys about. But before we dive into the consumer goods that you guys are probably buying and consuming using every single month, let's take a look at some of the foods on the items that you guys are chowing down on. Now, if you guys were eating these things, you might want to think twice. Now, I'm talking about the versions in France, the UK, and Canada. So they're comparing those to what we Americans actually eat. Do you notice all the differences in ingredients? Now, I have been hearing from some British friends of mine. They have a huge love for America, but really, the biggest obstacle between a no-rules trade deal between the UK and the United States is the companies put crazy chemicals in the food. Seriously, the UK has spent decades trying to throw in with America, but then you have these wacko corporations literally spraying benzo chemicals into our meat and fish all over our wheat and into our bread. We can't even sign any deal with the UK until they accept the ridiculous levels of chlorine contamination in all of the US foods. And don't even get me started on DNA manipulation. I mean, seriously, the UK is desperate to sign a deal with America, but it's not going to happen for all the concerns that we raise in this video. I mean, seriously, they're more focused on marketing than actual ingredients. Pay attention, guys. Pause and read through the list. And here's the kicker. Why the heck are we getting ingredients in our foods here in America that are banned in other countries? Ever thought about that? I mean, come on, McDonald's? How come we're getting canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, hydrogenated soybean oil, natural beef flavor, sodium acid, phosphate, and some unpronounceable thing? Now, in the UK, they don't have all that stuff. And their fries, they still taste like fries. Same goes for Heinz tomato ketchup. Why do we need all these extra ingredients like high fructose corn syrup? I mean, seriously, they don't allow that stuff in other countries, but they're dumping it into our food here in the U.S. Can you believe this? All right, so here's another one. Cheez-Its. I mean, who doesn't love cheese, right? I used to be obsessed with cheeses when I was a kid, but guess what? After doing some digging, turns out that there's not even a trace of real cheese in those things. And don't even get me started on all the other nasty stuff that they put in there. I mean, seriously. Who else loved Cheez-Its as a kid? I mean, it was like a childhood staple for many of us. But did you know that they sneak in MSG to get us hooked? I mean, that stuff can really mess with your attention, especially for the little ones. And let's not forget about all the GMO ingredients that they throw in there. Are they intentionally trying to kick us out of the game? Oh, but wait until I tell you guys about some of these other snacks. <laughs> You're definitely going to get blown away. But hey, don't worry. Towards the end of this video, I got two options for you guys to be able to choose from if you want safer alternatives. 
Now, one of them is switching to organic stores that support American-made products with 100% non-toxic ingredients. Just look for your friendly neighborhood family-owned company that's fighting against all the big box agenda nonsense. You see, we're not just going to talk about the problem. We're actually going to give you some solutions to choose from. All that later in this video. Now, I've been getting a lot of tips from TikTok lately. And let me tell you, they have been exposing some real shady stuff. Now, one of the videos that I watched spilled the beans on a trusty dish soap that most of us have stashed under our kitchen sinks. Now, seriously, guys, how many of us have ever read what's in our dish soap, right? I know I haven't. Well, not until lately. And that's not the only issue. There's a whole bunch of problems with these things that we take for granted at the store. Now, I really don't think that they're trying to take us out overnight or anything, but they are definitely causing some long-term damage. I mean, we're all circling the drain here, some faster than others. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to toothpaste. Now, I know that some of you guys might have already heard about the toothpaste controversy, but let me give you the lowdown for the people on the ground who haven't heard about it, right? So it's all about teaching your kids to brush their teeth, right? But here's what they're not telling you. If they accidentally swallow more than the recommended amount, then you got to get medical help or reach out to the poison control center. Can you believe that? Poison is in toothpaste. And it's not just one brand, trust me. If you go to the grocery store and flip those toothpaste tubes around, I bet you will find that warning label on like 80% of them. And so that's why we're here, helping you to switch to healthier alternatives for yourself and for your family. Oh, and by the way, anybody out there doing laundry? Now, please tell me you're not using one of those detergents. Even some of those so-called natural name brands are on the avoid list. And don't even get me started on the seventh generation class lawsuit over the natural claims. But hey, no need to feel bad about it here. We learn new things every day, right? And this is why I'm here to share this information with you guys. We need to become more conscious consumers and avoid ending up with cancer or some other autoimmune disease. Prevention is the real deal here, guys. Now, believe me, the list goes on and on and on. Now, if you want me to really uncover more for you, just let me know. Give this video a thumbs up. Also, share this post because people need to hear about this stuff. Now, remember, I mentioned two options earlier. So option one is to switch to neighborhood family-owned stores that sell safe products. Now, option two is to do your research, do your own homework, read the labels, find products with safe ingredients. Those big conglomerates pretty much monopolize everything, and if it's owned by them, then chances are you're not going to find a healthy version. So you got to seek out those smaller brands that still have integrity. Now, in my home, we switched out every single product. We tossed out all the old stuff, even if it was still full. I know it was tough, but, you know, we had to do it for our own health. A friend of mine, he completely stopped eating anything boxed or prepackaged. Only meats, vegetables, and fruit. He lost 131 pounds. Now, trust me, there's a whole conspiracy going on here. But with a little bit of investigative research, you'll find that most of the products that you use on a monthly basis are tainted. And that's probably the reason why everybody's health is going down the drain faster than ever. It all connects, you know? Those guys at the top who really want total control and think that the earth is overpopulated, well, they want to minimize the population, and all of this starts to make sense. So if you want to know what I replace all the stuff in my house with, hit me up in the comment section down below. And remember, guys, we got to stay prepared. Now, I appreciate you guys sticking around. We've covered some seriously sketchy stuff about everyday products, like those sneaky notification bell shenanigans and the questionable ingredients lurking in our food and personal care items. Now, it's time we become more savvy shoppers and consumers and watchful YouTube viewers. You know, always got your back, guys. We also discussed some cool alternatives and solutions to help make life easier and to also make healthier choices for you and for your loved ones. So anyway, I hope you got some value out of this video. Don't forget to drop a like for the video, subscribe, share this video with a friend, and I will see you on the next one. All right, that was Ron, R-O-N Yates, if you want to research his uh, videos more. I, I had someone on uh, a Facebook comment um, say something to me about or respond to a comment I made about, oh, you're probably one of those YouTube watchers 
and who doesn't read a lot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, YouTube watching? Like, what is it about watching YouTube that people find negative or uh, in non-intelligent or something? As Ron Yates just said, use YouTube discretionally. Uh, find the, the information you need. It's such an easy process. Go to YouTube.com in the search bar. Put what you're looking for. You'll find hundreds on the topic. Uh, so those people who think YouTube is like some kindergarten class of information, they haven't used it to find out how valuable it is. So as you know, I use it all the time because I'm in school all the time. I, my end of my day, I'm up watching YouTube videos or on Netflix. So uh, let me go to some of the comments um, because I find them very helpful and interesting. Zelda says, homeless in China are paid for picking up the trash. Why can't U.S. do the same? Absolutely. Their streets are cleaner. When you go to a foreign country and you don't see trash on the on the ground or anywhere, it's usually because the citizens there are either being paid or they're participating in picking up the trash. Uh, our executive producer, Naima Latif, says, definitely that's a good suggestion. When I went to China, I saw how clean the cities were. This works, paying the homeless, elderly, and unemployed to pick up trash. Bring in those migrants, honey. Don't, don't let those migrants just relax with their free phones and do nothing. No, no, no. We need to put those guys to work. That's the solution in my mind to the immigrant, illegal immigrants being bust in, whatever. Put them to work because there's definitely things in the city that need help with. And then Zelda says, expect them to turn off your notifications alert because they don't want you to know. That's okay. We do... Uh, thank you. That's that's true. Because uh, the the powers that there's a lot of censorship going on against truth. There's a war against truth, and that was the focus on my of my Sunday show, which I'm going to have a part two this Sunday about Cleopatra. I've learned so much about that history. I can, I got to share spiritual energy on Cleopatra. Why are we having a global war about Cleopatra? Is anybody asking that question? If you if you're not on YouTube or if you're not paying attention to Netflix, uh, there's a lawsuit against. Uh, apparently, there's an Egyptian lawyer suing Netflix over a docu drama that was created by Jada Pinkett Smith uh, on Netflix because um, Egyptians don't think she's light enough. She doesn't, or the people in the docudrama don't represent uh, the true Cleopatra. I got to say about that. I'm a Sunday, you got to tune in on Sunday. I got, I did so much research on this topic, mainly about the spirit that Cleopatra brings to any discussion. And that's what's missing. Nobody's talking about this spirit of Cleopatra in our earth right now that we're having a global debate on Cleopatra. I'm so excited because I've been doing a lot of research. And then I'm going to do a YouTube video to answer the questions about this issue to bring out truth with a capital T, which has to include spiritual truth, not just has to include metaphysical energy, metaphysical knowledge, truth. 
And that's what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday. So don't miss Sunday night's show where I'll go really deep into the spirit of Cleopatra and why we are at war about this spirit of Cleopatra and all the Egyptian um, drama going on. It's like really comical almost. It's like watching a movie, what we're seeing happening from one continent to the other and how uh, the words that are being used, especially the word black, is just being thrown out there like free candy or something, black this, why she's not black enough, black this, we're not black, they're black, they're black, black, black. So I'm, I'm going to kind of give up the word black on Sunday and describe this whole mess in terms of anything but black. It's not about black, it's about energy and spirit. You're going to love it. So anyway, we got to take another break. When we come back, we're going to get into the Native American traditions of food. That's where, that is part of the solution to what Ron Yates just uh, revealed to us about all this food that's not food. Not, I call it non-food, even organic. You got non-food. So what's the solution? We need to go back to traditional eating uh, habits or, or uh, uh, patterns that the Native Americans use and incorporate that into our own communities with uh, farmer's markets and more. So let's go to a break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak. What if you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant? Our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. So if we take proper care of ourselves, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self-cell care from Susan Essentials on the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio Show. Learn how to help your body and yourself feel rejuvenated each day through proper nutrition, sleep, frequency medicine, and many unconventional methods of self-care. I'm Jody Susan. Join me and my amazing guests by calling in at 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak. We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today.
joy. And I'm Reverend Rosemary. Join us every second Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time, here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show for Neighborship of Joy. We'll have powerful conversations inviting women to walk in the light. So call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak to the host. You can also join us live on the Female Solution Facebook page and YouTube channel. See you on the second Saturday on The Neighborship of Joy. All right, we're back, and we want to get right into uh, indigenous food for health. Um, we're looking at in the in the United States of America epidemic of non-food products, and we I'm sure most of you when you will go through the grocery stores, all most of the aisles are full of processed foods, which is non-food, uh, and so we're seeing an increase in disease and is stressed and all kinds of things. But my, my experience and my conclusion about um, this type of uh, issue in our society is this. It goes back to what Dr. Debbie Green and uh, Naima were talking about yesterday. Your emotions drive your health. Energy and motion is the m- number one uh, cause of disease, in my opinion, number one, no doubt in my mind. I I lived. I had my sister live with me for nine months with breast cancer. Trying to, we were trying to heal her breast cancer with raw foods and organic foods and distilled water, not distilled or alkaline water, and that breast cancer just accelerated in her left breast. It didn't wouldn't stop. And the conclusion I came to was when your daughter is killed and is instantly, the trauma for her was the death of her daughter two years before, and she never could process it. I didn't know a lot about it in 2004. I wasn't as aware about emotional impact on health. That grief and unforgiveness and guilt, there were the three major emotions that caused that cancer to keep spreading. So as we go forward talking about food, uh, just keep in mind that you could be eating uh, processed food and drinking wine, and as long as you have joy doing this, you're probably not going to get any diseases. But you also have to process all the traumas, the aces, the adverse childhood experiences you can't keep being triggered and then expressing anger about these things. It's time for us to heal the subconscious memories, the childhood traumas, and then we move forward with a better choice of foods. And that's what we're looking at today. Can we improve the things we put in our mouth? Let's just say the, the, the ingredients we put in our mouth and can we let go of uh, the processed chemicals that we are so used to? I was talking to a friend 
uh, last week about all the um, TV dinners we ate as children. TV dinners and uh, bologna and cheese sandwiches. How many of you uh, were surviving on bologna and cheese sandwiches? Yep, that's what we grew up on, bologna and cheese and a number of others. I had a list here of all the the um, all the okay bologna and cheese sandwiches, white bread, Wonder Bread. Remember Wonder Bread? Um, TV dinners, frozen swans, and, and not to mention all the candy and sugar we grew up on. We're still here. We survived. Many of us didn't get a disease. You know why? I think we were outside all the time, riding our bikes, playing all the time. We were moving. We were enjoying the atmosphere. I remember even in the winter of Chicago, we would be outside throwing snowballs. We didn't stay. There was not a lot of TV to watch back in, in my youth. So even though we laid, ate a lot of crappy food, bologna and cheese keeps coming to mind. Oh, my goodness. And love, how about those grilled cheese sandwiches, white bread? Uh, some people had government cheese. We didn't have that in our house. But government cheese, white bread, butter in the skillet. Oh, yummy, yummy. Grilled cheese sandwiches every day if we could. So we ate crappy food. But we survived it because why? Number one, I don't think we had a lot of depression if you grew up in a fairly healthy household. My household was somewhat dysfunctional, but my sisters and I, we were at the YMCA. We were outside. So balance, balance. We're talking about balance. When we talk about uh, going back to Native American indigenous food, then we still have to have balance in our emotions. You're sitting down to a meal and you're sad and crying. Guess what? That food's not going to digest, and you're going to have gas and bloating and create all kinds of uh, imbalance inside the body, and uh, your microbiome's going to be out of order. So we're looking at indigenous food as a better option to nourish this temple, this sacred temple. And that's one of the pillars that we're talking about today, uh, one of the pillars is seeing the body as sacred. Food, no, seeing food and the body as sacred. That's the seventh pillar of sovereignty, food sovereignty, seeing the body and your food as sacred. So here's a little uh, in, uh, in audio about indigenous food as medicine rethinking how we nourish this body because as as Ron Yates said earlier, our food is being bioengineered and the crappy organic oranges I bought were a perfect example for me of how everything labeled as good organic is not that at all. There weren't even any seeds in these oranges. So how is that? That didn't even make sense. Organic oranges that don't taste like anything and there's no seeds in them. So that's where we are today in 2023. The food is non-food, and we need to think about other options. And as Ron suggested, number one, look at local family-owned businesses, even farmers markets, to nourish your body. And then we're going to hear about indigenous food as medicine right now.
Indigenous peoples throughout the world have long histories of food systems dependent on traditional knowledge of their local ecosystems. The extensive biodiversity Indigenous peoples, food, plants, and animals merges healthy diets with local culture and practice. Today, Indigenous peoples often face extreme poverty in the modern industrialized world, and they are among the most vulnerable and marginalized people. Food in their local and rural ecosystems and the cultures themselves are threatened with extinction. Environmental, economic, and social transitions all contribute to these threats. It doesn't have to be like this. Indigenous people's food systems have many benefits. Healthy food, physical activity, sharing, community culture, and cultural identity. But there are also threats that must be addressed. Ecosystem decline, climate change, commercial over-harvesting, poverty, moving to cities, dams and mining, and encroachment of outsiders. Indigenous peoples must take control of their food systems and protect them. This film is an introduction to a project created by the Center for Indigenous Peoples Nutrition and Environment called CINE at McGill University in Canada. This project shows how sustaining local food system knowledge will improve well-being and health in Indigenous communities and protect culture at the same time. CINE is a collaboration of Indigenous community leaders, university researchers, and local governments. Together they are exploring ways to maintain the health of these transitioning populations and preserving knowledge of their local food system before they are lost forever. Chief Bill Erasmus and Dr. Harriet Kuhnlein led the start of CINE and developed this project with many international partners. CINE evolved because Indigenous leaders in Canada wanted to have a place where the real issues of Indigenous people's food systems could be researched and discussed. The governing board established by Indigenous leaders guided understanding of how to work with people in a meaningful way, with good participatory process to answer the questions that were important to them, to do the research that had resonance and meaning with the community members, and to address concerns about integrity of traditional food systems. Well, CINE started because there was really no facility for indigenous peoples in the north to go to where they could get um, their own samples done, for example, on quality of, of uh, fish or uh, to do our own samples on caribou, for example, or on, on soil testing, water testing. We quickly found that the whole question of indigenous foods and, and indigenous environments and, and the way people interact with the land is something really that has no boundaries. And we b began to get requests from people in the south, southern parts of Canada, the provinces, in the states, because of a whole number of concerns and a whole number of, of issues. So we began to expand. As we began to get more established, more and more people began to come to us asking us if we would work with them to do studies to help them look at their particular problems and that's how that this global initiative began. CINE is now working with 12 communities worldwide in a global health project. While each case study has its own unique methods 
and findings, the use of indigenous foods in the culture is related to overall health. Each area has a community leader partner and an academic partner based in the country. Well, from a nutritional point of view, we have consistently seen across all of our case studies, wherever we look, that when people incorporate more of their indigenous foods into their diet, the overall picture of the diet is much better. Uh, we have uh, case studies where up to 80 to 90 percent of their daily energy is coming from their local food system. When they start buying the low-cost foods that are in their stores with the small amounts of money that they have, what they're buying is inexpensive, cheap, poor-quality food. It raises the calories. It raises the sugar. It raises the bad fats in the diet. Um, and people wouldn't be having all of these bad things if their diet was entirely composed of their local food system. Um, one of the consequences for many uh, indigenous groups with a shift away from subsistence um, traditional foods to market foods, to market foods that are purchased for, for cash, Im they may be imported from another part of the country or from, a, from an other countries, uh, one of the consequences is often an increase in total fat intake, total energy intake beyond requirements. And if that occurs at the same time that the activities of daily living are changing so that energy needs are less, then we get an imbalance and obesity begins to emerge. Why do we care is that obesity predictably drives the appearance of certain other diseases in the population, high blood pressure being one, uh, diabetes being another, premature heart disease, and there's a, there's a long list of less prevalent ones. But these are important because they shorten lifespan and they produce huge impacts on quality of life. Diabetes is, is important for, for several reasons. Unmanaged or untreated or poorly treated, um, it will produce complications which are truly important for quality of life as well as expensive medically. Things like blindness, serious complications. Amputation of limbs, uh, secondary to circulatory problems, um, etc. Diabetes and heart disease resulting from poor diets are common problems in indigenous communities, combined with extreme poverty, food insecurity, contaminated food sources, and land rights issues. Sine's approach when partnering with communities is to follow a very carefully developed methodology. There you go. The first thing that people have to do is understand what they've got and what they have to lose if they are no longer practicing their traditional food system harvesting and use. The first step is for people to just take a cold, hard look at their resources, to document them, um, to put it in writing or put it into oral culture so that the next generations have the benefit of this knowledge. From there, people uh, can work together and understand how they can create a momentum for using more of these foods and protecting these foods in their local environments. Okay, So that's one of the things that we have been emphasizing in these um, cultures that we're working with. We help one hunter to go out on the land 
that hunter doesn't only get food for himself, he gets food for his extended family and for needy people in the village. So that one person is assisting a whole lot of people. And that, that's what we mean about the cultural aspect of it, the sharing and the, the assistance to others. There's so much to it. Um, you help that one person out, um, it, the, the spin-offs go to 30, 40 other people. There are examples of excellent nutrition in indigenous people's traditional food. For example, the Inuit have a favorite traditional food of the whale muktuk, which is composed of the skin and underlying fat. You wouldn't think there would be vitamin C and minerals in this, but there is. It is just like eating fruits and vegetables. High amounts of vitamin C in the skin, high amounts of vitamin D, and the good fatty acids in the blubber. There's the vitamin A, the zinc, and the iron. It's all there. It is hard to get such a concentrated source of good nutrition from the store. Another example comes from the project in the Ibu territory documented by researchers at the University of Nigeria in Insuka. They did a careful analysis of diets from all segments of the population, including women, children, and men. They consistently found that when people ate more store-bought food, it increased the sugar, calories, and fat. Then they did not have the same amount of good nutrition. Nearly all the good nutrition from vitamins and minerals were coming from the traditional palm fruit oil, fruits, vegetables, root foods, and small amounts of animal foods grown in the communities with traditional agricultural methods. Sine's case studies include research on environmental impacts on local food systems. There are so many links between indigenous people's food systems and the environment. In, in which they're based. And many of these links are very complex. Um, and they relate to everything from water quality to um, seasonality to productivity of different resources. And so something like climate change, for example, um, has impacts in all kinds of different ways that we often don't anticipate, but that people who are very close to those resources would understand better. Since 2004, Global Health Project participants have met annually to present findings, compare strategies, and share successes in a collaborative atmosphere. What we're finding is that there's a huge wealth of information with Indigenous cultures. People have a whole system of raising their children, the connection of the, the food and the land. Uh, it's cultural, it's spiritual, it's, it's, a, it's a whole encompassing aspect of them. And, and if they're not connected to that, if they're not a part of that, then sadly there's, there's a lot that's missing. Because, for example, if people hunt caribou, then it's something that they've been doing for thousands and thousands of years. There's rituals involved. There's a certain way to, to, to harvest the animal. There's a certain way to skin the animal. There's a certain way to preserve the food. There's a certain way to share the food and, and to enjoy it. And, and all of that, I think, is part of what makes people feel who they are. In our case, make them feel Dene. And if you don't have that, then um, you're having people that are existing um, at, at a very different level.
and, and I think the contribution of those foods and, and, and the culture and, and people feeling good about themselves is very, very important in this day and age. A big part of it is handing down uh, the teachings, the culture. It's part of the language also, very connected to the land. Passing that on so that um, people are confident and, and feel good about themselves. Professional staff based at Sine have worked with many cultures worldwide over the last several decades. This has created a tremendous knowledge base about the benefits and threats to indigenous people's food systems. Actually, Sine helped us in documenting traditional food systems and uh, taking some interventions in the project, in systematic documentation, providing scientific evidence and all. The strengths of the Sine are uh, it never talks about nutrition. It talks about people, their rich culture, their environmental concerns, their cultural concerns, their lifestyles, and they talk about nutrition and health. So many organizations which work on nutrition directly spoke about nutrition and failed. But the greatest strength of the CINE is they start with the people, with the communities, and they talk about their concerns like health, nutrition, food systems, and all. That's why something like this project is so important, because you have input from people from many different parts of the globe, all putting their knowledge together, essentially. And then they really start to see the, the different impacts emerging that are common to, to everyone. And obviously, there are not enough resources or time uh, to work with every indigenous community in the world. So, so I want to stop it there uh, and emphasize the seven pillars that we are talking about for food sovereignty. As the audio expressed, indigenous people all over the world are starting to solve their health problems, their disease problems, by going back to their traditional foods. And so um, one of the pillars, uh, let me give you the seven pillars uh, so that you can think about how you can make a shift from the Cheetos and the Lay's potato chips and all the processed food that the United States puts in grocery stores to kill you, basically, because what happens is people get addicted to them, especially if your emotions are low vibrating of fear and grief and unforgiveness, and you haven't worked on your emotional uh, healing, then you're going to be reaching for the Cheetos and the chips and the, the, the cookies and all the things that American grocery stores offer more than vegetables and fruit. So the pillar, one of the pillars of food sovereignty is knowledge, building knowledge and skills for traditional food. If we want to change the nutrition that we're putting in our bodies or not, number one is to build your knowledge and skills about traditional foods as we just watched and listened to from that global presentation of indigenous practices. Another one of the, of the pillars, food for people and the people's needs first at the center of the choices that we make. We don't have that in grocery stores. 
you don't see the produce in the front of the store. The produce is way in the back. You got to walk all the way through the store to get to the good food, the produce in the back. And then all in front of you is chips and bread, dead bread, white bread with full of chemicals, and all the other Cheerios and boxes right in front of you, right? So one of the pillars, again, food for people and the people's needs first at the center. Most people don't need Cheetos and, and chips. They need some nourishment, some simple foods. A number, um, another pillar works with nature and optimizes the contributions of ecosystems. Whoa, that's a biggie. And that means visiting farms in your neighborhood, understanding what type of mushrooms, for instance, are growing in your area. Mushrooms are key to our health. That should be in everyone's diet now, mushrooms. But we need to work with nature, optimizing the contributions of every system. Uh, Another pillar is, values food providers, valuing the people who are farmers, valuing the farmers, basically, who are providing the food. I go into uh, food stores in uh, Florida, and the oranges are coming from California. I'm like, what's up with that? This used to be the orange capital of the world in Florida, but I believe what happened, there was some type of disease that wiped out the whole orange uh, uh, produce in Florida so that now we're bringing oranges from California all the way across the state. So as they mentioned, any food that's traveling in trucks to Florida is not nutritious. Not the, the You've lost, they pick it early, just like the oranges I bought that didn't taste like anything, organic oranges that tasted like water, no, no flavor, those oranges were from California. And I looked at some of the bags and I noticed they were still, some of them were still green. So I was trying to find some ripe oranges in this bag and I thought I picked the right bunch of, of oranges and they turned out to be nothing, no, no flavor. My grandson said, ah, this is horrible. So again, local values, food providers, uh, another pillar, localizes food systems localizes we need to go back to purchasing and eating food that's local that's so important in the pillar of food sovereignty choosing the best nutrition is choosing food grown right in your backyard or in your neighborhood or at least in your city or your state how about let's get food that's grown in our state instead of from all the way across the united states let californians uh, eat their their fruit and vegetables, but they're feeding California is feeding the United States basically, maybe the world. I don't know, but that's kind of crazy to me. That's why we're talking about the pillars of food sovereignty, us having the taking back our power on how we nourish this sacred temple, and then putting control locally. Puts control locally. And that, again, the seventh pillar food is sacred now. We haven't had, I don't think we've had that perspective that food is sacred. And when you're buying food in a box all the time, and most of the food in your kitchen is in a, in a bag or in a, a chip bag or a, a box, that's not sacred. That's, that's a corporate, corporate control over your body. 
because we're going to use that food in times sad or lonely or depressed. Guess what? We're going to go for the donut rather than the papaya. That's why we have the show for one and why I continue to do what I do that my father taught me about eating nutritious food, even locally in Chicago. When I was growing up, we had a lot of red, delicious apples. I don't know where they came from, but I didn't know there were any other apples <laughs> when I was growing up because my dad always supplied us with red, delicious apples. That was our number one fruit. And so now as an adult, I'm so happy to have a variety of choice. Papaya is one. I use the papaya for so many in so many ways. I take the seeds out of the papaya and dry them out, I rub the paper towel over, dry them out, then I grind them up and use them like pepper because that's an enzyme to help you digest your food. One little simple trick, uh, and papayas are fairly uh, local. Let's see, where do papayas come from? Mexico sometimes, but we get a lot of local papayas as well. These are just a few of the adjustments we can make to improve our health and well-being. And let's not forget picking up trash. I want to keep emphasizing the visual is all about uh, maintaining a satisfaction of seeing flowers, trees, and grass rather than trash. So that goes along with nourishing. That the, the less trash we have, the more we are nourished emotionally. We've got to take our last break. Boy, breaks come fast. And when we come back, I have a few more audios. You're welcome to comment and share. What are you? Are you struggling with food choices, nourishment, food being sacred, your body being sacred? Press one if you're in the studio. If you have a comment, and uh, feel free to comment on Facebook. The number is five one five six zero five nine three two five. And we'll be right back after these messages. You are tuned in to the Soulful Chicago Book Fair 2020 Vision Fundraising Campaign. That's right. You can support the vision of reviving black literary excellence in this city by simply taking your $20 or more and donating it on our website. Visit www.soulfulchicagobookfair.com and click the Donate tab on our homepage or give us a call at 646-359-6605 and we welcome you, helping us breathe literary life into the south side of Chicago. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. 
in to Sofa Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn you into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Sofa Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. And we're back. Um, we want to go right into um, some information about Native American. What do Native Americans eat? I'm, I was curious to find this, and I wanted to just share it with you. What did they eat before the Europeans came? And that's kind of where we're going. We're going back to traditional foods. We may not be able to find all these foods, but this just gives you an idea of what sustained them, what helped them survive, and the simple lifestyle that they led. So here's a little um, audio about traditional Native foods, what they ate, what they actually ate. Obviously, food prices have led to sticker shock. For Native Americans, the 2018 Farm Bill helped producers have a little more control. Now that the next farm bill is around the corner, a pilot program still very much on the radar. Colleen Bradford Krantz has more. Under two century-old federal treaties, the U.S. government pays for the food given to certain displaced Native Americans. Until recently, however, indigenous groups had little say on what was delivered by USDA to their food distribution centers. Slowly but surely, we, we saw that those foods were, were heavily salted or processed, and we went from being one of the healthiest tribes, and we start seeing that our bodies, the bodies of our, our ancestors then, reacted negatively to those. To address the problem, a provision in the 2018 Farm Bill provided $3.5 million for eight tribal nations to demonstrate their ability to purchase their own food, an idea known as self-determination. In our traditional model, the USDA purchases those foods and ships them to uh, warehouses or facilities on the, on the tribal reservations. With self-determination, USDA and the Department of Interior work together to collaborate on a demonstration project, which gives tribes more control over their food procurement. Many of the tribes awarded grants are using the added flexibility to support indigenous farmers, ranchers, and fishermen. We want to contract and decide where we get our ground beef from, where we get our apples from, where we get other products. Two eastern Wisconsin tribal nations, the Menominee and the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin, partnered on one of the self-determination pilot projects. Although the experiment is ongoing, Gary Besaw, the top agricultural official with the Menominee Nation, says area native producers have begun to benefit from the self-determination project and from another project known as the Tribal Elder Food Box Program. 
the new food box venture provides fresh meat and produce directly from area producers to Native Americans who are over age 55 at no cost. The program initially included just the Menominee, Oneida, and Redcliffe Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, but now it benefits all 11 federally recognized tribes in Wisconsin. So we're trying to slowly build our economy, we're trying to grow the vendors, we're trying to understand the system better so we can do, we can do that purchasing and create that, our own full localized food systems. The changes in purchasing practices have benefited native producers, some who have seen sales increase since the start of the pilot project, as well as non-native farmers who can be used as a source if indigenous suppliers can't meet demand. We looked at, for instance, the, some of the catfish that we were getting uh, in our food distribution for our clients, and we replaced that with some of the foods from Red Cliff. So we were able to use lake trout fillets, uh, whitefish fillets, and herring. One community member says the Tribal Elder Box program was particularly timely when some tribal members were struggling financially in the wake of the economic slump following COVID. Yeah, I've talked to several people that get them and they like it. They, they think it's great. It's like probably two, three meals worth of food that they won't have to buy. However, Bovine says the biggest challenge may be in convincing high school and college students they might enjoy a career farming, ranching, or fishing. A lot of it was just um, individuals, you know, do individual farming, their own garden, you know, but uh, as a nation, the tribe, our tribe has, that fell away from it in time. As far as I know, there's nobody in the last 15, 20 years that I know of that are interested in farming, you know, and that's unfortunate. An hour to the southeast, the Oneida Nation has built a successful business raising Angus and buffalo, which puts more locally produced meat into the supply chain. The Oneida also raised fruit in several orchards. Five hours to the north, near Bayfield, Wisconsin on Lake Superior, the Red Cliff Band is seeing the benefits of a fish processing facility launched in the fall of 2020. Because of the federal funds, the Red Cliff Fish Company has not only added more employees, but is paying native and non-native fishermen more for their catch. You know, it kind of started off as a, an idea to uh, provide a opportunity for Red Cliff fishermen who weren't always treated as fairly by you know, other, other places. They would get, again, different pricing. Because now that we're here, uh, we technically have brought the market up in this area. As early as 2018 is kind of the last record I've seen. Most whitefish prices around there range around 30 to 40 cents a pound. Um, currently, uh, with our buyers, we are at um, $1.25 to $1.35 per pound. With the you know, government funding of these programs, it's been great because now it's meeting a need where we're providing a healthier protein alternative to you know, some of those other processed fishes or meat. Again, these are the programs. It's providing an opportunity for a place like this to succeed. Hamden says an announcement about another $3.5 million for additional demonstration projects will be coming. Tribal leaders across the country are hoping these allocations allowing greater food sovereignty will become permanent with the next farm bill. We visited the Oneida tribe in Wisconsin as well as the Menominee Indian tribe.
And um, we did uh, see some of the products. Uh, we saw the, the ground bison and the wild rice and the beef chuck roast, and it just looked amazing. We are fully committed to supporting the restoration of indigenous food and empowering the indigenous agricultural economies and improving indigenous health uh, through traditional foods. Again, that USDA program is called the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Initiative, launched last November. For more info, visit... So this is a program that's at work in our country, and we can really, really benefit and learn from this and grow in our knowledge and our health. I was excited uh, when um, Kwame shared that with me. Because with all the research I've been doing about Cleopatra, you know, that queen over there in Africa, boy, oh, boy, we don't want to be associated with Cleopatra. This is one wicked uh, queen. And that the battle that's going on, which I'm going to talk about, the spiritual battle with Cleopatra that's going on from coast to coast, from, from uh, Arab, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, to here in America, to actually California, because Jada Pinkett Smith, I think lives in California. So there's a battle going on between California residents, a lot of them, and even um, the the actress who played Cleopatra lives in the UK. So you've got a battle going on between uh, Northern Africans, Egyptians, Saudis, Muslims. Oh, there's a classification of people involved in this battle, war, if you will, that involves at the center of it Cleopatra. The name, the spirit is so interesting, so uh, powerful to understand what's really going on. There's a spiritual battle, and I'm going to talk about it. So knowing what I've learned uh, about Africa and this queen, indigenous people from America are the way to go. Let's not focus on that con that huge continent. Many of us are given, we're given the label of African-American, as if all of us came from Africa. And if you've done a DNA, or I haven't done that at all, I don't want, and I'm not giving them any information about my blood or DNA, but if you've done any studies, you know, some people come up with European DNA in their uh, heritage. So all of us are not, quote, African-Americans, but Many of us can claim we are Native Americans. So that's why this show today is inspired or, or intention to help you look into localized food systems in America from our Native American ancestors, not those Africans over there that we don't know a whole lot about, but we've been associated with them mainly because of these cosmic curls here got these cosmic curls, many of us, and we don't see many people in America ancestor-wise that have cosmic curls, so we've identified with Africa. But I'm suggesting we start identifying more with our Native American heritage and using the wisdom that they are presenting here today to simplify our diets, localize our food system, put control back locally in our communities, and um, treat our food as sacred, not being shipped from California, from thousands of miles away. Sacred food grown in our communities by local farmers. How about that? Uh, we've got a caller with their hand up. So let me go to this caller, 336 I believe that's Mama AZ. Your mic is open. Hello, 
Thank you, Dr. Z. How are you? I'm good, but you need to speak up a little bit. Okay, can you hear me better now? Yes, ma'am, I can hear you better. Please, go ahead. Okay, uh, send that piece to me that you just played about um, the uh, foods on the res. That's interesting. The thing is, how do we get uh, more young people interested in growing the food because their inter- their interest lies in sitting in front of the contraption, meaning the computer. I call it a contraption. So, so how do we impress, inspire the youth to be more conscious about what they're uh, putting into their bodies and growing what they place or eat in uh, growing the foods that they will be consuming. How, how do we do that? Especially illness. That's, <laughs> that's an excellent question. And I think the answer lies in our creative mind. And a lot, another part of it is sometimes they're going to have to suffer before they make that change and develop that interest. Like the Native Americans are have made this shift because there's so much alcoholism, disease in their community. Mm-hmm. So they're forced to, to, to try other ways of nourish, nurture, nourishing their bodies and feeding the community because they're now faced with lots of suffering from, from the uh, Pine not Pine Hills, but uh, the reservations up north in the east, west, all over, there's sickness and disease. So what is what is that, what happened? What triggered their interest in going back to pillars of sovereign food? Disease and suffering, right? Uh, and the government has pushed all kinds of of drugs and um, and non-food and chemicals on the, in the reservations, so that the, it takes suffering. I think, uh, sister, before we make changes. My client who has prostate cancer, he went through a heart attack uh, um, before he started eating raw food. This guy is in his 70s, and the, the, the heart attack and now on drugs and, and stents in his body and uh, prostate cancer developing out. Oh, now he's going to do all raw foods. Hallelujah. He's changing everything. 180-degree change. But it took a heart attack. And prostate cancer to help him shift. We're here today and every week promoting prevention. You want to wait till you have a heart attack? Go ahead. We're not going to force anybody. We're not here to control. I'm releasing, letting go of controlling people's behavior. I'm now observing behavior. And then when people come to me and say, can you help me? change my life, change my diet. I'm more than happy to help you. That's why I'm here. And that's why it's my responsibility and conscious people's responsibility to be healthy and strong and ready and available when people are tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay. So you and your opportunities for young people to learn more about this type of sovereignty, food sovereignty, Every one of us can create opportunities 
for young people to learn more about food sovereignty, health. But they're not going to come to you if you're in a wheelchair, bent over, taking 20 drugs, medicines, and, and can't move or teach them. We've got to, first of all, take care of ourselves and build strong mm-hmm. health and in our own sacred temple. Then we can teach them about eating sacred food because we've demonstrated what we're doing is working. And then they'll be attracted maybe to our health. I have to maintain a healthy, strong body because my, my family is off the chain with junk food. And I'm just waiting mm. for the other food to stop. And then sometimes, like recently, my son gave up all alcohol for I don't know how long. I'm like, woohoo, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I just have to represent the strength in a senior citizen when you are disciplined and consciously choosing seven pillars of uh, sovereign food or consciously choosing to fast and pray consciously choosing not to eat anything sometimes and then demonstrating the strength and flexibility in my own body. I have have people who admire my flexibility because I'm practicing that and I know it's important these days with the government and the food industry and the medical system on a war path to reduce the population. We have to make a choice of whether we're going to follow the plan, the depopulation plan, get weaker, or are we going to choose sovereignty, pillars of food sovereignty, and strengthen, get out of this system of sickness and disease. So I hope, did that help at all? Yes, ma'am. Dr. V, I sent you a couple of videos about eating in your own backyard, meaning your, your neighborhood, local, and it's just you, you, you just you trip, meaning in a good way. And I'm I'm just grateful. It's like you and Brother Kwame, you keep me grounded through these times, through this journey in my life right now. So thank us, just uh, thank us. I'm I'm grateful for us, you. I do it. And here's one simple thing you can do if you have any dirt anywhere is start composting your kitchen scraps. I have yes. a huge box growing in my yard of butternut squash. And how I know it's butternut squash, you can get an app on your phone that identifies plants and tells you what they are. I didn't know what this was growing in my yard. It's this huge vine of these green, dark green leaves just growing everywhere. Like, what is that? It comes out of the compost. When you put all your kitchen scraps in a, a pile, or I have a compost container that rotates and all that, but when you just throw compost, if you have a yard, a backyard, just throw that compost out there, mix it in with dried leaves and all the other uh, elements from your yard, and all of a sudden food comes out. I had a whole tomato vine grow out of my compost. Uh, one year and now I have red chard in a pot and spinach and I put uh, acorn squash seeds over in another area I have a big yard now Uh, acorn squash seeds in another area with uh, good soil with watermelon seeds I finally got some watermelon seeds I'm gonna grow some watermelon see what happens but simple things like that we can do just start composting your kitchen scraps and whatever's in the kitchen scraps like seeds there's gonna food's gonna come out of it, 
Or if you do like, I believe our sister Zelda has a vertical garden. That's a great way these days to grow food in an apartment or an urban area uh, where you'll have nutrition. I had an audio about that. Uh, Elon Musk's brother does that type of, or, of conscious farming. And there's a great video if you want to go and um, check out. His name is Kimball. Kimball Musk farm of the future. Great uh, advice on how to grow vertical gardens. So we have so many options, but the key is, again, seven pillars. Localize your food system, put control locally, value food providers in your neighborhood, in your city. Farmers markets are so key these days. Uh, and work with native, optimize the contributions of ecosystems like mushrooms. Work with people who are growing mushrooms. That's, mushrooms are so nutritious. And then food for people and the people's needs first. We're not seeing people's needs first when you walk in a grocery store. People don't need another loaf of white bread or a box of Cheerios. So we're not seeing that at all in our grocery stores and the fact that Walmart is closing, that's probably a good thing. Now China, we're moving China out of our food system because Walmart is full of products that come from China, right? So when we really observe what's going on currently in our cities and our communities, it's time to make changes if you've been paying attention. China out, local farmers, local growers, local people in. That's the summary of seven pillars of food sovereignty. Sovereignty means taking back the power and control over your own body and in your own community. So I hope this has been helpful to all of you here today and that we can share with our other family members and community if they're ready. No pressure, no forcing, no control. Just be ready to share truth. Now, it's all about truth. And Sunday is what I'll be doing, big capital T-R-U-T-H, about Cleopatra and the spirit and the metaphysical energy that's driving this debate and confusion and chaos about our documents. It was great. Here's a little key for you about that documentary. If you haven't watched it on Netflix, I advise six. Experts are narrating this documentary. Professors, Egyptian people, expert in Egyptian studies, authors, Egyptologists. There are six people narrating this documentary. But you know what uh, the Arabs and the Saudis and the Egyptians over there are focusing on? She's too black for this movie. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. Don't forget, tune in Sunday for some real truth and enlightenment about this whole debate. Anyway, thank you all. We're going to play our thank you ending. Everybody come back tomorrow for another amazing uh, Female Solution show. Sunday night with Soul Purpose Healing. come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution.
You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our book. And be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, Jung Kujun, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jaret, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings. Sun, sun, sun. See you on Sunday.